Greetings, Arlington. Welcome to Grayson 30 Live on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. My name is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Sal Dietrich. Sal, how are you doing today? Ed, special call out tonight to parents and kids. Tonight, we'll give you five or six great ideas this summer for exploring Arlington history with your family and what is really a treasure hunt through Arlington neighborhoods to see how people here lived in the time of George Washington explore monuments, grave sites, cool stuff for young kids and stuff you can really put your hands on and touch, you know, and also a chance to learn about the great diversity uh, that has shaped uh, today's Arlington neighborhoods, what we call the Arlington Way, where we live together, uh, you know, in this diverse community. You know, the beauty of this is you don't have to go to Mount Vernon. You don't have to trek out to Manassas to to enjoy uh, this. Thanks to the many volunteers of the Arlington Historical Society. And this evening, we're joined by Annette and Mark Benbow and and their and their fellowship. You know, an interest in history uh, dates back years, and and they'll talk about their passion to serve at the Ball Sellers House, uh, the oldest home in Arlington, and a museum in the Glen Carlin neighborhood. Before we jump in with Annette and Mark, though, I want to remind listeners about the call to action that was issued by last week's guest, Andy Semmel, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State, who joined us to talk about the Arlington Food Assistance Center, a community-based nonprofit that provides supplemental groceries to our Arlington neighbors in need. He noted that it's important to invest in your community, to do things at the grassroots level. It could be any number of things, like participating in the PTA, or engaging in interfaith dialogue between churches, mosques, and synagogues, or any other number of activities that can help out the community. He also noted that doing things that are other-directed is very self-fulfilling and health-giving to the giver. So please take his words to heart, and if you'd like more information on AFAC in particular, please visit their website at afac.org, which is afac.org, or you can come to our Facebook or Twitter pages at GraceIn30. As Sal mentioned, Arlington has always been a place that attracts innovation and entrepreneurship, which creates a vibrant, diverse community. This is reflected in numerous rankings that consistently put Arlington at or near the top of best places to live. And I know that recently, Niche Magazine ranked Arlington number one best city to live in. Uh, Much of its rich history is accessible today through walking in the neighborhoods or biking the trails, thanks in part to the work done by the Arlington Historical Society. And this evening, we're joined by Annette Benbow, Benbow, excuse me, who spent 31 years working with the federal government. She has a deep love for history, and several years ago, at the urging of a friend, began volunteering as a docent at the Ball Sellers House in Glen Carlin, which is the oldest building in Arlington, and she quickly became the museum director. And Ed, Annette was very kind to bring her husband along, Mark, today. He's a PhD in American history, a Marymount professor, and a director at the Arlington Historical Society. And as I said before we went on the air, there's a lot of historical firepower in the room tonight. <laughs> so Annette and Mark, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks very Thank much. You. Happy to be here. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, no, this is a, uh, a, a great thing. You know, I'm an Arlington history nerd, and, and I love everything Arlington, Ed, so you know, you're going to have to stop me tonight on the show. But you know, uh, before we jump in uh, with Mark and Annette, I want to give a shout out to Jane Casey uh, for the wonderful tour that she gave my son Gabriel and I uh, this past weekend at the Ball Sellers House. Uh, you know, she really made the place come alive, um, and and Gabe just had tons of questions during her visit. 
you know, we visited the markers, the, the graves nearby in Glen Carlin, the, just toured the whole area. And, you know, he just kept, Dad, can we go see this? Can we go to the mill? Can we go here? You know, what nine-year-old doesn't think all of that's cool? So, you know, a big thanks to Jane. And, and if you have not been out to the Ball Cellar's house, uh, you know, this is a must on your summer uh, trips here in Arlington. And you can see some pictures of the Ball Cellar's house on our Twitter page at Grace in 30 and also on our Facebook page at Grace in 30. So you should say where it's located, and that's at 5620 3rd Street South in Glen Carlin. And, and <laughs> the hours it. of operation. So we're open every Saturday from April through October from 1 to 4 p.m., and we're also open um, the summer holidays, you know, Memorial, Labor Day, and um, Independence Day from 1 to 4. Great. So, so clearly, Mark, you've got a Ph.D. in history. Annette, you've got a history degree. You guys love history. So what got you interested in particular in Arlington history? Hmm. Go ahead. Arlington history. Well, um, I used to live in Arlington when I first got to Washington, D.C. area. And we've always worshipped in Arlington. Our church has always been there. One of the things about Arlington history that is, um, is unique and cool is the fact that its placement on the map so close to D.C. makes it key to every single thing that's ever happened in American history from pre-colonial era to today. It's just, there's just, we are integrally involved in every aspect of American history. So um, it, it's hard not to be excited <laughs> about that kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm interested in public history. I teach the introduction to public history class, and we have a public history minor at Marymount, which I teach. Uh, and a big emphasis in public history is local history and dealing with local historians, both professional and amateurs. And I've been volunteering with the Arlington Historical Society for about 14 years now. Uh, long unimportant story how I got involved basically saw an ad saying they needed volunteers and I thought oh that looks interesting uh, nothing particularly dramatic about that so you haven't looked back since not much no <laughs> I've, I've been enjoying working with them and sometimes it just takes a simple spark like that you know it just takes something to get you going and you, you find you love something and you become committed and it's really just about getting involved really taking the first step it's true so, so clearly you guys derive a lot of joy out of learning about history and sharing it with people. Um, so, and that you got involved with the Ball Sellers House at the urging of a friend, right? And then, in no time at all, you were sort of uh, running the joint. Yeah, um, that's true. How exactly did that come about? So, I was a docent, uh, and you have sort of a learning process where you kind of shadow a couple other docents and hear how they tell the story of the house. And then, uh, during that time period where I was kind of like an apprentice docent. Um, the chair of the Ball Sellers House Committee had to resign because he had lots of work commitments and that sort of thing. And uh, my friend turned to me, my friend Marty Orth, who was my predecessor on this, and she, Martha Orth, she said, hey, Annette, what about you? And I said, yeah, what about me? Okay, I'll do it. And, and I just, I love um, telling people about how history is not just history, it's really the story of our, all our lives and it's so fun when I see faces light up because something connects with something in their history or their personal lives or their their family history and it just works it's just uh, very cool that's great yeah uh, 
You know, uh, tell us a little bit about who the Ball family was and, and their role in Arlington. You know, I, I know about Ballston, obviously, right. I mean, it, it, but clearly they were prominent people in, in Arlington at the time. Who, who were they? No, they weren't really that prominent. Um, that's the cool thing, though, because they were just a normal family. Okay, so John and Elizabeth moved here in 1742 when Fairfax County was being stood up. Fairfax County was carved out of a larger area and it, the, Lord Fairfax starts it up in 1742, and John um, Ball got in on the ground floor and signed up for land, 166 acres. Um, one of the first, one of the first people. So the it, it's not so much that John Ball was, you know, fantastic. He didn't really have a place in history. We can't find any other reference to him. It, it's just that he had. The house has survived. The miracle is the house. When you come to the Ball Cellars house, you're standing in the historic artifact. That's very rare. Most places something's been rebuilt or whatever, but when you look at the floor, that is the board that he carved. That's where he put it together. That's You're in the history of the house. And um, he actually, he is not, the, the Balston is not named for him, but his brother Moses lived just south of him. Moses had six sons. John Ball had five daughters. No women, you know, owned property. So it was John Ball's brother Moses that Ballston is named after, Ball's Crossing is named after, because he had six sons and they carried on the name. So again, John Ball is just, you know, every man John. And it, it's, that's in itself kind of cool that we can remember just a plain guy with five girls in this teeny weeny little log cabin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, I think the Moses Ball Spring is something that you can still visit yes. uh, there at the, the uh, urgent care site. You know, kids often come to the house in the grounds. What what are some of the things that, that kids ask when they come to the Ball Cellars house? What are some of the things that young, young kids, young historians are interested in when they come visit you? So they can't believe there's no electricity because <laughs> where would they charge their phones? So they, they just find it unbelievable that five girls lived in this little 20 by 20 house. What did they do? What did they do for fun? And I try to impress upon them that these girls worked hard. They did everything. They cleaned and they, you know, made the food and they, ate, you know, helped everybody do everything. And they were pooped. They didn't play a lot. They were busy working. And so I think that is really um, something that, that, People are like, really? It's hard to imagine. So, so, that's right. It, it's it's Minecraft for real. Instead of, <laughs> instead of make-believe building blocks and things and chopping down trees, you actually had to do that. So. That's right. <laughs> so, so there was no power. Right. No no, no, no indoor plumbing. No air conditioning. No, no indoor, HVAC. Right. No granite counters. No. <laughs> they have no, any stainless small. steel appliances with internet connectivity? Exactly. None Nothing okay. like that. No, no wireless connectivity? Nope. My, my goodness. How do you survive? Well, they did. <laughs> And, I, and, the, and, and even more importantly, the house survived. And the history of the house is starts with John Ball, and it goes to straight through to our history today. Uh, every single person who lived there has it, it's is Joe Everyman. Uh, they're just normal people, but we know a little bit about them, which traces the entire history of Arlington. Yeah, I mean, back then, you know, it, you really had to depend on. Did, did you really have to depend on your neighbor, I guess? Because, you know, yep. when you look at that, I mean, he, he had a, I think he had a mill and he was doing some things. It's he was true. an entrepreneur. He was doing everything he could to feed his it's family true. and survive. But, yep. you know, probably had to rely on the, the goodness of his neighbors and they had to really collaborate and work together. 
you know, and not fight over parkland or this or that or the other. We're building, <laughs> but you know, they had to come together to survive and really build the community. I mean, true is that enough. about right? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, we think about him building an addition on his house. He wouldn't have been able to do that with the five girls. He would have had his brother who lived just south of him, any other neighbors in the area. All the girls married local men. Um, the girls, some went to Kentucky, which was Western Virginia. Some went to Western Pennsylvania, and two stayed in the area that we know of. So, you know, you married, you, it was all a big community, and they were part of it and helped build it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, this is a question for both of you. You know, taking a step maybe uh, uh, back from the house for a minute, you know, there there are some great opportunities to explore other historical county landmarks, uh, structures even, on bikes or family walks. Um, can you take a minute, both of you, maybe tell us uh, about some of those? Because, you know, I was when I was talking to Jane, I said, start looking around just the Glen Carlin neighborhood and asking her about this house or that house. And she saw a Civil War general came back and built that house. He loved living in Arlington. Are, are there other things like that for, that are along the WNOD or you know, tucked away in neighborhoods that, uh, that families can visit? Uh, pretty accessible. Yeah, I have to put in a plug for the Arlington Historical Museum at the Hume School, uh, which is the 1891 brick and stone schoolhouse that the county built. Uh, that's now the Arlington Historical Museum. It's open Saturday and Sunday afternoons from 1 to 4. Uh, that's up in uh, South Arlington Ridge Road, 1805 South Arlington Ridge, which is a historic neighborhood in and of itself. Um, but other places to go, uh, got to mention Fort Ethan Allen, uh, which is up on North Glebe Road, north of Marymount's campus, uh, which is at a school now, but there were you know, several dozen Civil War forts in what's now Arlington County. Uh, very little trace of many of them, a little bit of Fort Scott, uh, but Fort Ethan Allen, there's some left and it's been preserved uh, and you can go there and look and see at least some of what a Civil War fort would have been constructed in the area. Wow, that's neat. Yeah, that is. There is a, also, they did splurge and buy a replica cannon uh, which is neat, you know, of course, not operable, obviously, not a real cannon. Um, but I always felt sorry for the neighbor across the street because when he gets up and looks out his bedroom window, there's a cannon pointed directly at it. Uh, <laughs> even great. knowing it's not a real cannon, I would find that somewhat disconcerting. <laughs> That's great. You can also go up to Potomac Overlook Park, which I believe is off Military Road, uh, which is a nature preserve. Right. Uh, but there used to be a farm there until it burned down. I don't remember the exact year. I want to say uh, Halloween 1947. That's probably within a year or two. And the foundation and such are still there. And there is a little exhibit about the farmland there. Uh, but there's a very nice nature center there. They have all sorts of activities there. And you can learn about the Native Americans that live there. Archaeological digs have found all sorts of artifacts, some of which are on display in my museum. And the Arlington Historical Society's museum, sorry, a little possessive about the museum, uh, as well as there was a Union camp there, uh, of course, during the Civil War as well. What about, uh, what about along the WNOD as families ride along there? You always hear about the Arlington Mill Monument or certain D.C. markers and things. I, I never seem to find these things. You know, I don't know what it is. I'm on my way to the ice cream place too often, I guess. But, you know, is there anything along the, the trail for families as they're kind of going along that area? We, we live in the area along Four Mile Run, so between Columbia Pike 
and Falls Church is, is where we live, but you know, there's stuff kind of scattered in there, isn't there, along the along the four mile run? Yeah, where is the uh Annette may remember, where is the exhibit for the W O N D for the actual railroad? Yeah, I'm I'm drawing a blank, but the the W N O D uh road that you ride your bike on every day, that is in and of itself a historical uh, artifact because that's where the railroad ran. Um and the railroad helped build Arlington. And so just, again, you're standing on the artifact. You're, you're right there. Yeah, that's right. You know, when, uh, when Jane and I visited, uh, I was asking her about, well, where, where are the Ball family buried? Where are they at? Are they here on the grounds? And she said, you know, uh, it's kind of an interesting kind of a, almost like a Washington Post kind of spy type story. She said, you have to go on Washington Boulevard to one of the, um, the auto repair shops. Yeah. And you go in and you kind of give the owner the wink and you ask for a key. Okay, and he lets you through this door, and there you are in the gravestone of the Ball family itself. And it's kind of just amazing that this is sort of hidden treasure tucked away, you know, kind of in this obscure place. Yeah. But there's probably a lot of that. You know, I was out on uh, walking on Fairfax Drive the other day uh, over by Central United Methodist and happened to notice that I think, you know, certain historical uh, grave sites are there. And these things are kind of hidden in the community that, you know, you can kind of go around and see, I think, which is kind of neat for families who are out kind of biking around. That's yeah, and there's one behind the uh, Glen Carlin branch of the library. Just a little cemetery yeah. there. That's right. Yeah. yeah, a little, you know, one minute walk away from the Ball Sailor's house. Yeah. There's uh, a cemetery at, your, at, the, at Marymount University as well. Yeah, there's a little private cemetery that doesn't belong to the university tucked in with the buildings that yep. most people don't know what's there. And I only found it by accident when I first was at Marymount and I made a wrong turn trying to get back to my office <laughs> and walked up a staircase and found myself in a cemetery. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Sal's very excited about Arlington history here, so we've forgotten to do a station identification, so I'm going to let Annette and Mark take a, a very brief break and just say that you're listening to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM, and we're talking to Annette and Mark Benbow. Uh, they're from the Arlington Historical Society. Yeah, that's right. Just, just you know, so we put it in context. You know, Ed lives out in Fairfax County, and so you know they were still living in the Dark Ages when Arlington, you know, when the Ball family and others were settling here. You know, they were still still living in caves back <laughs> in that time. Oh, not no, true. It's, it's not, not true. true. But, no, they were uh, stuck in traffic at Tyson's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the wagons were heading out to Tyson's. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's kind of funny that you mentioned that because Sal, you were talking about the entrepreneurial spirit of Arlington and the Carlin family that took over. Uh, the Ball uh, Sellers House. Right. They, they built a resort there many, many years ago. It's true. When the railroad came out. Tell us a little bit about that. It's true. So it was the second generation of Carlins. The first uh, Carlin who uh, bought the house from John Ball after he passed away was William Carlin. He was a tailor. His family uh, lived there for almost another hundred years. After the Civil War... Not just a tailor, though. He was right. He was... Um, he, he was a tailor and a farmer because he owned the property. For George Washington. Right, right. Yes, for George Washington, George Mason. He had, a, he had a, a ton of clients, not just the wealthy, but he also made clothing for slaves and farmers and, and everybody else. So, yeah, so he actually is who Glenn Carlin is named for. He is the Carlin. He was like the Ralph Lauren of his time, Eddie. He was just in there making clothes for everybody. <laughs> well, interesting. We have, we, the, the world, has one of his ledgers. And we're going to be having a, uh, uh, a public program on the 14th of July where a woman by the name of 
uh, Gruber has um, done a lot of research uh, using his ledger, and she's going to tell us, and it's free, it's open to the public, it's at the Arlington County Library, it's on the second Thursday of uh, July, and uh, she's going to be talking about what can you deduce from just his leisure. And there's a ton of stuff. So that is really cool that we not just know where he lived, but we, we now have research that's been done about what he did for a living. So um, a little plug there for the second Thursday in July. So um, back to his family and the resort. So uh, after the Civil War, um, the family, uh, I'm sure it was difficult to make a, a living farming on what was left of Fort kind of lands. So they decided to take advantage of the railroad that was coming out, and they had they built a spa. A spa meaning they had picnic grounds and an ice cream parlor and a dance floor and uh, the whole nine yards. And they invited everyone from D.C. who needed to get out to the country and visit Arlington, which was not yet Arlington, it was still Alexandria County, but they wanted to get out to the country and just for the day, and the railroad enabled that. So for 20 years, Carlin Springs was the place to be west of the river. So it's kind of like people fleeing to uh, Rehoboth now. And, exactly. And Lewis, yeah. Exactly. So the Bay Bridge enabled that. Yep. And yes, that's yep. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we chatted a little bit, um, you know, we talked about how this history has really helped shape our neighborhoods. Hmm. And, you know, Marquette, <laughs> tell us about places like. Uh, uh, Friedman Village and Highview Hill, and and how these communities came about in Arlington, and what they're like today. If you if you if you have a few thoughts on that. Well, Friedman's Village down near the edge between sort of the, where the Pentagon is now and Arlington Cemetery uh, was what was called a contraband camp, uh, and that was the idea of what to do with slaves that freed across Union lines. Uh, were they property, were they people, their legal status, there was a lot of debate about it. Uh, and the U.S. government decided that they were contraband, that is, because their labor could be used by the Confederacy, it was legal for them to be kept on the Union side of the lines. Well, what do you do with all these people? Because thousands of people are coming into D.C. And there are several camps set up throughout the greater D.C. area for escaped slaves, and one of the best organized was Freedman's Village, uh, which had streets and schools and shops. It was designed to show that the freedmen, uh, the men, women, and children that escaped from slavery and were now free, could establish their own self-sufficient communities. And it lasted well after the Civil War. Uh, the federal government finally had to pay restitution and move many of the families away because they had been there by that point for several decades. Uh, so that was there. Eventually they did get moved out. Uh, many went to Queen City, which no longer exists. Uh, that was then torn down a few decades later to clear the way for the Pentagon. Mm. But others from Freedman's Village and other freedmen went to other established communities. Uh, many went to Knock, which still right. exists. That's right. Uh, but also there was Hall's Hill, uh, which was not Freeman. It was one of the few plantations in what was in Alexandria County. Uh, and when the war was over, Mr. Hall, who owned it, sold the land to his, cheaply apparently, uh, to his former slaves, which sounds really nice. You know, it sounds like a nice lifetime oxygen movie. Right, right. Uh, he didn't do it to be nice. He did, apparently, he was a very unpopular 
uh, and kind of curmudgeonly character from what I've read. And he sold the land to his former slaves knowing it would anger his white neighbors. Uh, but that community got started and is still a very active community. Uh, it's there. It's, again, near Marymount. It's up on uh, where Route 29 and Glebe Road cross. Uh, there's uh, churches there that date back to freedmen that moved mm-hmm. there, uh, as well as to the families that lived on Halls Hill. Yeah. Uh, Three black churches are celebrating their 150th anniversary this year. That's right. 1866. Yeah. They all started up um, as a result of being free. Yeah, like Lomax AME, for yeah. example, one of them, and I believe Mount Olive Baptist is another, that started as congregations at Freedman's Village. And, yeah. That's right. You know, I run up there often, and, and for years I always just was so interested in the neighborhood because you sort of go into this area, and you're like, what's the history behind this area? Yeah. And, you know, the, many of the shops there, many of the people there, you know, are still African-American community today, and it's a wonderful place. And, you know, you, you, you sort of ask yourself, well, how did this come to be in, in Little Arlington? You know, and, and so you have to go back and look at the history, and a lot of that has shaped the way that we live together here in Arlington. And his family was interesting. So his sister lived very close nearby, where Marymount, in fact, is now. Uh, but Mrs. Hall made living, uh, well, she was D.C.'s most uh, expensive and successful and prominent madam. And her facility, shall we say, uh, her house was down near where the American Indian Museum is now, uh, and conveniently close to Congress. <laughs> uh, and she retired up to the land next to her brother's land to get out to the countryside and catch the nice breezes on the hills around Arlington. Uh, so the, that family itself around that community was in it itself interesting, uh, just besides the community. And you said you've gone running up around the Hulse Hill area. Have you noticed that big concrete wall? I haven't. People always mention that. I, I have not. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It was from when this, from Jim Crow uh, to separate Hulse Hill, which was African American, from the white neighborhood on the other side. Uh, following Virginia law, they put up, it's like a six foot tall concrete wall. And it's still there. Mm. There's actually gaps in it now where streets and paths pass through. Uh, but originally those were not there. And you can still see it if you know which streets to go down. Uh, I was driving along in the net and I were looking for something and made a wrong turn and looking at what the heck is that? Huge? Oh, that's the wall. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, how far Arlington, you know, has come, a, you know, this year there's been a lot about the, uh, the Stratford uh, High School, the junior high school. And, and, you know, in 1959, you know, Arlington County and Stratford became the first racially integrated school in Virginia, after uh, after Brown versus the Board of Education, is that right? I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there's been a, a long history here in Arlington of, of of celebrating diversity, of people living together in this community, and, and many of those events historic. So we've got a, a couple of minutes left. Um, I wanted to give each a little bit of time to maybe issue a, a call to action. I mean, it's it's clear that you guys have a passion for history. You'd like to see that transfer to other folks, that, that sort of same spark hit in them. What would you like to tell the listeners and, and sort of invite them to do? I think that anybody could find something that hits home historically for them, whether it's their family, whether it's their neighbor down the street who you wish you knew more about. Oral histories are marvelous. Bring a recording device and record questions that you're asking them about what life was like uh, when they lived there. If you have a house that is old, don't tear it down if you don't have to. Build it so that it reflects the historic nature that it was built in. 
Uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways to honor our history and still um, do what we need to do, live life in the 21st century. Um, just um, give, it, um, give it the same heart that they did when they built it. Mark? Uh, where to go? How many minutes do we have left? <laughs> uh, a minute. <laughs> a minute. Um, one thing I try to tell my students is that I find history fascinating because history is people. And if you think history is boring, then you think people are boring. And I find most people are not boring. There are exceptions, of course. Uh, but for the most part. And for parents, not just historic sites, which are fun, um, good books for kids, um, good websites on history. Um, my students, oh, I, one thing historians always get is, oh, I watch the History Channel all the time. It's like, history is more than Bigfoot, ice truck, pawn shop drivers, you know, which mm. is pretty much what you get on cable <laughs> TV for history if you don't look carefully. Um, there's a lot around us all the time that I try to get across to my students. What is that there? Why is that there? Why is this place named this? Uh, that there's always history everywhere around us and if you think like a historian you can see it but yeah and I'll tell you we've, we've had a few people on Twitter uh, come in and, and say that you know Halls Hill is really west of Glebe not not at Glebe and Lee Highway and so look yeah. it's passionate for everyone people live in this community they've grown up here <laughs> they've spent time here you know they 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 know and and so appreciate that but we've got to wrap up um, thanks for so much for joining us Annette and Mark Our really pleasure. appreciate the time great um, Sorry, yeah, if you want to find out more, you can certainly visit the Arlington Historical Society website. Uh, if you have some questions, you can get us at grayson30 at gmail.com. A recording of this show will be found 24 hours later on WERA's website, as well as our new website, grayson30.com. Uh, next week, we're going to be joined by Michelle Hayworth from Commissioned by Christ and a woman named uh, Catherine Hogan from the Bishop O'Connell High School, and they're doing some cool initiatives. Uh, this is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. Uh, make sure you have a great night tonight, and be sure to tune into Grace. And make sure to visit the Ball Seller's house.